Everybody, it's Jesse, and you are listening to List It. And before we jump in today's show, I just want to give you a quick heads up that topically today's show is a little bit different, but it's one of my favorite episodes I've recorded so far. If you've listened to the show up to this point, you know that I have a lot of fun with my guests ranking uh, things related to movies and TV shows and music and books. Uh, but with Tish Oxenrider, who's one of my favorite authors and podcasters and thinkers, I want to do something just a little bit different. We're in January of 2021. I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> the last couple of years have been really interesting on a personal level for me. And I have really come to embrace different kind of practices in my everyday life that have been really impactful that up to now I haven't really thought too much about. Um, coming into this episode, I knew that kind of ranking uh, everyday practices and activities was sort of like a strange thing to do, especially it might seem initially kind of out of character for the show, but man, this was one of my favorite episodes. I don't even like using words like this, but because they sound so kind of cliched sometimes, but just to be honest with you, it was a really life-giving conversation. Like it was one that when it was done, I really felt just good and I felt like I wanted to take a walk and I wanted to have a cup of coffee and I wanted to do some things that really kind of give me a sense of appreciation for my life and help me kind of reflect on things that uh, mean a lot to me. And so this is an episode, it's a little bit different, but uh, grab a cup of coffee or if you have AirPods or earbuds in and you're, and you're, and you're doing dishes or, or some chore around the house, I'd encourage you to take a break this time. Uh, go for a walk bundle up go outside we'll tell you why you should walk in the cold either way like it's pretty good for you and uh it's worth going out into a january afternoon go for a walk take some time reflect i really hope you guys enjoy this episode also hey we are talking about things that we do every day that are really important in life giving to us um this episode uh and i did want to let you know about uh, uh a few months ago i got involved with helping to get another podcast on, online called The Success Hotline. And so long story short, there is a guy, his name is Dr. Rob Gilbert, and he is a professor of sports psychology. He's pretty well known in that world. So basically, he works with a lot of athletes, a lot of coaches, and kind of about motivational techniques. But 29 years ago, <laughs> this is crazy, 29 years ago, he started leaving these phone messages. And the idea was people could call a phone number and they would go right to a voicemail and every day, Dr. Gilbert would leave a three-minute message that would kind of inspire them and motivate them to go tackle their goals for the day. For, for almost 30 years, Dr. Gilbert, he never missed a day. And so a few months ago, we decided to bring his messages to a new audience. And right now, you can go to thesuccesshotline.com. Uh, to check out the the podcast feed on Spotify. If you're looking for it on Apple Podcasts, it's the Success Hotline. Look for the the one with the telephone in the logo, sort of a hat tip to how his show started. But basically, every day, Dr. Gilbert still leaves these really inspiring, motivational kind of three-minute messages for listeners. I started listening every day when we kind of got involved in the podcast, and it's, it's something I really look forward to. Dr. Gilbert is such an interesting guy. They're all story-based. Dr. Gilbert's Dr. Gilbert is all about hearing people's stories and passing along those stories and trying to inspire people um, 
in ways to believe in their self. And man, it's really fun. It is really life-giving. Check out the Success Hotline. I'm really proud to have a small part of bringing that online. And man, Dr. Gilbert's uh, writings and his daily messages have also meant a lot to me. So dive into the archives. Here's some of... Start start back from a few weeks ago. Listen, uh, kind of get into a rhythm. But if it's something you're, you're looking for, little type of things that you can incorporate into your day-to-day life, I would highly suggest checking out Dr. Gilbert's Success Hotline podcast. All right. Without further ado, here is today's show. What's up, everybody? My name is Jesse, and you are listening to List It, my podcast where me and a guest list and rank things, typically in pop culture, but the show's a little bit different today. It's January, uh, New Year, and man, this was one that I was very intimidated to pr- prepare for, for reasons that will become clear. But first, I want to introduce my guest. She is an author, speaker, and podcaster. Her latest book, Shadow and Light, is out now. And of course, I always recommend her book, At Home in the World, Reflections on Belonging While Wandering the Globe. Seriously, if you like travel memoirs, such a cool book. She also has an incredible newsletter, which you can subscribe to at tishoxenrider.com. That's right. My guest today is Tish Oxenrider. She also co-hosts the podcast, A Drink with a Friend, alongside Seth Haynes. And we have a really interesting idea for the show today. A lot of times we talk about movies, music, books, things like that. But one of the cool things I love about Tish's work, particularly her podcast, is it looks at the idea of living sacramentally and kind of everyday habits that make life better. So I wanted to have Tish come on and talk about the little ideas, habits, and works of art that make life better and kind of rank and list some of the everyday things that she does to improve life. Tish, thanks so much for being on. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's fun to talk about this. Yeah, me too. And that's why, so we were talking just a few minutes ago before we started recording, you know, I've, I've prepped, we've done several dozen of these podcasts now. And most of them, I like, I sit down to make my list and I have, I'm listening to music, I'm rewatching movies or, you know, rewatching episodes of The Office or something. And this one, I was like, man, I, I started making my list of like everyday habits and I'm like, this episode may be like therapy for me because I realized like how little time, effort, or really kind of like, you know, conscious thought I put into establishing habits. So before we get to the list, I want to talk about the idea of living sacramentally, because that's sort of like the elevator pitch for a drink with a friend. So kind of break that down. What does that actually look like living sacramentally? Yeah, sacramental sounds like a big fancy church word, and it's because it is. But what Seth and I mean by it is uh, the original definition from St. Ignatius of Loyola, who is this uh, 15th, 14th, uh, 15th and 16th century monk and priest, is um, the idea of simply finding God in all things. That's all it means. Mm. So, live, you know, we have our official church sacraments that most people know of, like communion and baptism. But the idea of living sacramentally is the idea of peeling back the layer of what's on top and seeing what's really there. So, we mm. make the argument that anything can be sacramental, such as a particular movie or, you know, a particular practice. Drinking coffee can be sacramental. And then we, we just kind of unpack that idea and go into why. And so, to me, this is really the best posture to live life through, right? Because it gets me through the day, you know, when news is terrible, when news is good, when, when life is boring, when life is stressful, um, just being more sacramental about how I look at things keeps me more grounded into who I really am. Tish, I love that idea. Um, you know, what's funny here, ironically on Friday night, 
you know, COVID's kind of obviously like Friday nights look a lot different than they did pre-COVID. And so I have two young children and we did like a movie night and we watched the movie Soul. Did, have you watched Soul yet? The new Pixar yeah, movie? Yeah, we watched it over Christmas break. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it, the, the the irony is like I, I really started thinking I don't want to give away too much of the movie, although it's actually a really hard movie to spoil because plot wise, <laughs> it it's really an evolving plot. I don't think there's anything I could say that it's would really hard to explain it. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, part of the message of the movie it explores what it means to be present and how can you just absorb you know, I don't think they really use the 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 term the divinity of 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 small moments, but that's sort of the concept that they're playing with, and the idea that you can live sacramentally and and and, and practice things in your everyday life that are ways that you can find God. I've been thinking about since I watched that movie. Now, so how do you make the distinction of this is some this is an activity that I just enjoy that offers some sort of therapeutic release? You know, whether it's like exercising or something to where do you make the distinction that this is sacramental? Like I can actually see God in this. Yeah. We, I definitely don't want to ever come across like I am going around life, like a cloistered nun, just, you know, doing nothing, but being Jesus-y about everything. Cause that's not what is meant at all. There are many times when watching the office can just be watching the office. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's not about going through life, seeing divinity and absolutely everything though. I could make the case that there really is that everywhere. We just yeah. don't really take the time to notice. Um, for me, it has to do with a little bit of that uh, re defining what we mean by seeing God in all things, because God sometimes to some of us can come across as this like unknowable, mysterious, way far away being. And in some ways there, I don't want to say in some ways that's true because God is mysterious. We can't possibly fathom all of, you know, who God is, but at the same time, God made us, well, at least I believe God made us in his image. And so we can look at who we are as human beings and get a taste of what it means to be fully embodied with the divine. And so um, it's not as like out there and cerebral and mysterious as one would think. Like, honest to goodness, you can find God in the office, but not really sit there and think about, you know, okay, what would St. Augustine say about the office? You can yeah, truly yeah. you can truly just notice maybe the goodness of God in, I mean, everything as simple as humor, you know? Yeah. Um, so, it just has a lot more to do with what do you mean when you say finding God and um, and how do you want to apply that to your life, really? Yeah. Well, how did you kind of when did this become a passion for you? Like did this, because I feel like it takes some degree of intentionality, uh, especially kind of in the modern work from home world. Like I've been working from home for years before the pandemic, but I would still travel a lot. I would still go into the office and, um, you know, when people would, would talk about working from home, I'd be like, yeah, but the challenge is it is cool, but when you're when you're work from home you're always at work and right. you know i feel like the pandemic and just kind of the circumstances that we've all kind of found ourselves in is it's see, counterintuitively even though we it seems like we have more time and, and kind of more leisure time around our the, the places where we live it seems like it's harder and harder to find time for these types of practices like my life and i feel like a lot of people i know has really changed pretty dramatically and not necessarily for the better. How did you kind of just on your life journey discover the need for an intentionality when it comes to living sacramentally? And then how did that shift once we moved into the pandemic? 
I can definitely look back and kind of reverse engineer the thing and see like, oh, I was doing this at this time. I just didn't have this language to put to it. Um, And for me, looking back, it was about the year 2007. That's when my husband and I, and I had at the time a two-year-old daughter, um, we moved to Turkey. And so we moved there for a whole host of reasons. And um, this had been something that we had planned for for many years. And so it was one of these like, yay, we're finally here. And it took about six weeks of us being there for me to realize, oh, shoot, I don't want to be here anymore. Um, mm-hmm. What does this mean about our entire life and existence and and what I think about life and what am I here for on earth, that kind of stuff. And um, spare you the details, but long story short, I was diagnosed with um, clinical depression. I We ended up spending the summer in Thailand for therapy and all the things and really questioned, we were asked to just put all the questions out on the table and hold really loosely the idea of actually living long-term in Turkey. And so this was an invitation to really question, you know, to slow down and question our reasons for being where we were. We ended up moving back to Turkey that fall. At this time, I was also pregnant with number two. So the everything was just an upheaval, the hormones and emotions. And it was during this time when I felt like I was desperate to grasp onto anything that just made me feel like myself. Hmm. Um, I look back now and I, the, you know, I hate the term self-care that's everywhere now and it's become a buzzword to where it doesn't mean anything, but the best definition of self-care I've had is the things that make you most feel like yourself. And Hmm. so when I think back to what I was doing is I was just trying to find the things that made me feel most like myself and those things more then anything turned out to be really simple, ordinary things. I mean, I am talking about a good cup of coffee. I'm talking about a 73 degree day, you know, just really nice things, even hard things, but maybe finding the good thing in that. And, you know, you have two little kids. This is back when I had a toddler and a newborn. It would be simply like, oh, she took a two hour nap. (laughs) That (laughs) is a gift, that kind of thing. Um, And so it became noticing the ordinary things. So at first it started off as kind of one of those like gratitude lists. Yay, things are good or things are not all bad, you know. Um, But taking it a step further, just kind of making that a regular habit in my life over the years, it started becoming a lot more of a search for the sacramental whenever um, I just stopped and thought about like, what does it mean that those things are good in my life? You know, it's Mm. not like something I'm seeking out all the time. It's not something I deserve. It's not something that, I mean, we all have these ordinary little glimpses of goodness all day long. There has to be a reason for them. I'm never going to know the reason fully because I'm not God, but hey, it's cool that there is one. There is a reason. And so choosing to posture it more sacramental gives a reason for all those ordinary good things that I chose to look for. That's awesome. That That is, you know, I feel like a lot of people arrive at a place, whether because of, you know, kind of profound circumstances in their life or, you know, they are on kind of this gradual path to being like, okay, something's got to give something. I need to make some changes because, you know, I think everyone's been in a place where it feels like whether they are experiencing major kind of life moments or it's just, you know, kind of getting a rut where you feel like, I don't know how sustainable this is. Like, I don't want every day just to be like it was yesterday. And, you know, what I feel like is so cool about, you know, your podcast, and a lot of your writing is, you, you know, sort of the contention 
with some degree of intentionality, it doesn't have to be that way. You can actually create patterns in your life, which really is sort of, and and I grew up pretty evangelical and where things like liturgy and the sacraments were almost bad words, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, as I've kind of gotten older and really kind of thought and read more about what it means to be a follower of Christ— where it's like, wait, I think that's kind of the secret of all this is, is that those ideas of liturgy and living sacramentally. So I have never been more stressed out preparing an episode because it was like, I don't even know what habits I do. I'm terrible at this, <laughs> but this is going to be a good wake up call for me. So, uh, so Tish, I have, f- I have four activities that, that I feel like I try to incorporate that enhance my everyday life. I don't, I, none of them are very profound and all of them you're going to be like, oh, you could probably step up that one, but. <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll let you kick off yours. What is one of the everyday activities that that you kind of put on your list that um, has been really impactful for you? Well, you're going to probably be surprised too, because you're going to think, come on, step it up a notch, be more profound. But I have found that it's these simple things that actually are the, you know, the snowball effect that make it better. Yeah. And really when you back up, I mean, I, I grew up in the same kind of environment that you did, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've come kind of the other side of the pendulum in that way, but the word liturgy means the work of the people. That's all it Mm. is. And so what it means is it's the daily ordinary rhythms you do every day. Um, And so that's what happens in those sorts of high church settings, but this is what happens in our life. We all have a liturgy, even if we're not aware of it. So by choosing to stop and make aware of what your liturgy is, that's when you can like kind of steer your ship a little bit more just by acknowledging you have one. So everyone listening has one. It's just a matter of noticing it. So, um, when I thought through this, I, I decided to go through time-wise, like wake up to okay. go to sleep. So for me, the first one is water before coffee. Hmm. Now, this sounds like a no-brainer, and it is. Um, what I do, all I do, and this is probably what a lot of people listening do, is I just fill up a water bottle, you know, with a lid on my nightstand. I fill it up, and I put it on my nightstand the night before. And then in the morning, you know, I'm, I'm very much a big fan of coffee and I usually do not have smart words until I have a few sips. So I'm that kind of person, you know, but I have found that I've had many days. I mean, this is such a dumb, like immature, childish thing to do. Um, kind of like with a kid who wants to just drink a juice box or something. If I don't start my day drinking water, I'm less likely to drink water the whole day. And so I make myself drink an entire bottle of water. This is, I don't know, 24 ounce, something like that. Yeah. Um, Drink the whole thing before I have my first cup of coffee. For whatever reason, that means the rest of the day I drink more water and I feel a lot better. Like this is just, you know, as I get older, I can feel everything. You know, you can feel. Yeah. you eat one too many cookies and you regret it for like hours. And I hate that. And I look at my kids who are like, you know, my middle guy, he could just eat whatever all day and not have a problem. And I used to be like that no more. And so for me, I got to get the water in. So that's what I do. I mean, it's really, really simple, but it makes a big difference. Yeah. And also I feel like, I feel like starting the way you start your day it doesn't have to dictate how your day goes, but it often does, you know, yep. like if you it sit really in traffic or, 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 you know, just, just have one of those mornings, it really does kind of reposition the day. And it, it, I always hear about the health benefits war. I'm so bad at that too. Like, I mean, I'm drinking like a seltzer. This is like as close as I get to it's like water. To, I can't. Yeah, it's water. Yeah. It's got a little fizz, you know, right. but it, it, it's funny. Mine actually is my kind of the first thing I put on my list, like, and I start the same 
the same way every morning is is with coffee and i've never really thought about it as like a liturgical action most of the time it's just i don't really want to get out of bed and i'm like oh coffee will help me wake up but i was sort of reflecting on on it because it's honestly the and i probably should drink more water in the morning too but i feel like with coffee it's the the reason i like it obviously it tastes good and it's got that good smell um but it's really the only thing that i consistently take time to consume and mm-hmm. I, and I think that and and concerningly enough that goes beyond just like food and drink these days like yeah. most of the information I consume is really quick where I'm on Twitter or I want I I want to listen to like NPR's up first because it's a new show that's done in like 10 minutes or like when the when New York Times like the daily runs more than 20 minutes I'm like who's got time for this you know but coffee is this thing where it you requires you to make it you know like you have to kind of put the put the into the coffee maker. It takes time. You hear it boiling. And then partly by virtue of just temperature, it's very difficult to drink fast and it forces you to kind of slow. So even even with a, if it's with a bottle of water, that's like tacking something, another thing onto your morning. How important it is to establish kind of a slowness when it comes to like starting your day, whether that's kind of having water and coffee or just kind of sitting down to consume something. How often do you try to intentionally make your mornings kind of slow? Well, if we're getting practical here, I work outside the home two days a week. So on those days, I can't be as slow as I like practically because I need to be somewhere at a certain time. And then my kids are all in school. They're all school age. So my youngest is 10. My oldest is almost 16. So I'm at that age now where the mornings feel quite like a bit of a flurry, but I'm a morning person and I will resent my children if I don't get a few minutes to myself because I'll feel like they hijacked my day. And I'm a big fan of waking up um, for my day and not to my day, which is a really subtle shift in thinking, you know, when you have little kids and they come and wake you up, how that just kind of changes the rhythm of your morning. And like you said, it has a domino effect that, you know, could affect your whole day um, as opposed to just waking up five minutes before they come in. There's just that subtle thing. So for me, I like to wake up if I can a full hour before they do. Um, And so to me, it makes all the difference because I feel like I I get to be the boss of me, you know, Um, instead of my day being the boss of me, even if I don't do anything more than just like try to wake up with a cup of coffee. So that morning time is crucial for me. Yeah. Well, I'm going to I'm going to definitely try to drink more water in the morning because it's typically uh, coffee and then right to seltzers all, and, and, you know, orange juice or something all day. OK, <laughs> Tish, what's 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 the next one on your list of kind of everyday okay, habits? This is this is kind of a slightly bigger one, but we're still in the morning okay. here for me. Yeah. OK, this and this is because of my profession a little bit, but um, I think it could apply to more of us. It is I have to read and write something before I check social media. So. Oh, wow. I do this on purpose and that is, well, I mean, I'm no, nobody's a stranger to this, but social media is a rabbit hole and you, you can very easily just, I'm going to check Twitter and see what kind of news happened while I was sleeping. And before you know it, two hours have gone by and you're like, wait, what was I going to do with my morning? It's gone. Um, I, you know, any, all of these habits are not because I'm a well-disciplined, well-formed person. It's because I know my human tendencies. Um, And so I force myself just these little bitty things. I always enjoy my, I love reading 
and I'm yeah. a writer. And so if I, if the rest of the day is a dumpster fire, if I can go the rest of it, at least knowing I read a few pages of a real book and I at least wrote some things down, then it's okay if the rest of it was just a nonstop to-do list. Yeah. Um, hopefully not, but at least that. But when I start the day reading something, it, it, dovetails really well with you said about slow morning. You know, a, a paper book is intentionally slow. It's not marketed to make me addicted. <laughs> there are no flashing colors. There's nothing to tap. Um, I have to turn the page and, you know, yeah, there are ways to skim, but otherwise it's, it's kind of just a slower pace of things. Yeah. Um, and then for me, writing is that way too. I love going through the day. If I just have to do nothing but answer emails and do admin kind of things, knowing that I wrote a couple sentences makes me feel like I've tapped into that creative side of myself um, even for a little bit. Now, there are days I've designated where I actually get more writing done, but I want to write yeah. at least a little bit before I check social media just because I am a ridiculous human being who who is distracted by the something shiny. And so I just, I put away the something shiny as, you know, as best I can for those few minutes. So that's a big one for me. So, so how... How do you, because this is my problem, like I'll start off with these grand ambitions of like, all right, I'm going to, I'll read a, a, you know, like a devotional or I'll, I'll journal or, or even like, it was like a fitness thing. It's like, okay, I got to go for a run every day or whatever. But when the, when those kind of everyday habits turn into what I kind of start to feel like are kind of chores or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I either ignore them and just be like, oh, yeah. I didn't get to it. I give myself a little grace or I start doing it to complete them instead of doing them to, for the, for the, 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 the reason to actually do them, which is some degree of reflection and discipline. And, you know, I just want to get, I want to get them done so I can move on to the next thing. How do you keep that in check? Because that seems to me that that's always my problem. It's like, I can, I can have those well-intentioned lists, but if unless I see them as opportunities to do something I enjoy and not a chore, I'll either blow them off or do them the wrong way. So how, how do you how do you kind of balance that? Well, and this is a great topic for this time of year, right? Because we all in January have these noble intentions of like this year will be different. You know, yeah, this is yeah. going to be the year I finally get in shape or finally do whatever it is. And then by yeah. February, we're like, what was that again? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, and so this is very familiar territory to most of us. Um, to me, it comes down to two things. The first one is just holding onto the belief that you it is easier to act your way into a new way of thinking than to think your way into a new way of acting. And so mm. what is meant by that is simply the idea of doing things even when you don't feel like doing them. I tell this to my kids all the time. They roll their eyes when I say it because I know it's coming. But if we waited till we felt like doing chores, we would never do chores. If we felt like yeah. we, you know, if we wanted, if we didn't do homework till we felt like it, we would never do homework. There are just things in life we have to do. And it is easier just to do them without waiting to feel like doing them. And then once you start, you start I, I don't want to even say you feel like doing them all the time because I never feel like folding laundry yeah. um, even when I start it, but I definitely like the feeling of having done it, right? Yeah. I like the feeling of checking that box. So for me, when it comes to things like reading and writing for social media, I, there are days I wake up and I don't feel like doing it, but I like the feeling of having done it. So I will choose to do it anyway and not wait till I feel like doing it. The second thing, and it, it go, works really well with that, is you got to keep it easy. 
You know, mm. I think if you've ever read Atomic Habits by James Clear, um, he makes a really compelling case. I love that book of um, why smaller habits are actually better than these big, hairy, audacious habits that are impressive on Instagram, you know, yeah. but, but aren't really maybe what gets at the heart of the matter. Um, and so for me, small habits actually um, beat big habits because once I tackle those small habits and they truly become habits, I will probably want to make them bigger. So when I say read and write, I am not talking about reading a chapter of a book and writing 2000 words. I, you know, it can be reading a paragraph and it can be writing a sentence. I don't make that limitation on myself. So I keep it as easy as possible. In fact, um, there are some mornings I do audiobook. And Mm. I give myself that grace because if I am just so tired (laughs) or I need to go ahead and get going on my day, I will listen to something for a few minutes. Like this morning, I literally, I'm doing a a podcast this year called Bible in a Year, where uh, like by December, I guess we'll have listened to the entire Bible. Yeah. And um, there have been some mornings where I'm like, I'm going to follow along, (laughs) but not this morning. This morning, I literally put in an earbud, kept the lights off, hit play and just laid there. And so, you know, anyone passing by, it would have looked like I was asleep, but that to me is my reading before social media. I'm going to count that man. So keep it easy. It's okay. You're a human being, you know? Yeah. I, I, I remember last summer, I think it was last summer where that viral, like Mark Wahlberg, like posted his like daily to-do list to like stay, to stay Marky Mark, even though he's like 50. And it was like involved waking up at 3am, you know, hitting the sauna in the gym three times, like two rounds of golf. And I'm like, dude, this is sometimes what it feels like. Like if I really want to change my life or I really want to kind of embrace these types of habits, they're going to help me in all these different ways. I got to become some sort of either monk or or like, you know, some sort of like Navy SEAL or something. And, right. But but there really is, like you said, I think I think giving giving ourselves grace and two grace for when you miss the habit to be like, ah, well, oh, well, that, you know, that, that to, to kind of jump back on board, because really there is no scorecard. And that, that's why for for my for my next one. This is funny because like the, before the pandemic, this is something I just never did. And that's okay. going for walks like I I. I, I, there was a time when I run a lot, like I did, you know, I had the year where I did like a marathon and it was like, so regiment, even pre COVID, like I, I would, I was very like the gym was still open so you could go and do your whole thing. But you know, once COVID hit, we, and you can't, we couldn't really go anywhere as a family. You started taking family walks and I really started enjoying that, you know, just kind of walking around the block with my wife and kids. But then I, during my lunch break, I just started taking like a 25 minute walk. And I was shocked at when I say profound, I mean, it's like a reboot of the day. I mean, if I'm having like a stressful morning or, you know, just it didn't go right or something, even if I had a great morning, a walk really kind of has this recentering effect. I, I, when I was a kid, I would sometimes stay with my grandfather and he started every morning with a walk around the neighborhood. And I mean, never missed it. He would, he would do the mall thing if, if, if it was too, if the weather was too inclement, but man, it has really been a life-changing thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing because <laughs> that's my number three as well. Oh, nice. Um, Yes. So for me, a daily walk is huge. I've been doing this for about two years now and it it changes everything. You're exactly right. Now I tend to do mine at different times of day, depending on the time of year, because I'm ridiculous about the weather. So, you know, August, July or so I I live in central Texas. Um, It is 
so, so, so hot by the afternoon. So I do mine in the morning, but this time of year, you know, in the winter, I do mine in the middle of the day. And the reason I do this is because I'm a morning person and I get kind of a second wind in the evening, but my afternoon is when I just naturally have a brain slump kind of like after lunch, I just feel myself going like, oh, I could use a nap. And so I take advantage of that time to like a low key walk. Like you said, I'm not trying to log a certain amount of time or, or distance. I'm just walking. I work from home. I have a dog that works out really well because she needs to be walked. And, um, you know, this sounds funny because I'm in central Texas, but there's snow outside, which is very rare for us. Yeah. Um, and I've learned this new word. It's nor well new to me. It's Norwegian. It's, uh, I'm, I don't know if you can even say it right. Free live, slive, I think, free okay. live, slive, whatever it is. So yeah. I was reading about it over the break. What it is, is it's this Norwegian idea. And I guess like psychologists are touting it right now during the pandemic is saying, you've got to embrace free loof slive like the Norwegians. And what it is, is it's this idea of basically getting over the cold and going out anyway. So Ah. (laughs) it's embracing the idea of like, yeah, it's winter, it's cold, but don't use that as an excuse to not go outside. It's what is that phrase? Like there's no bad weather, just bad clothing. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that kind of idea. So it is very easy for me to say like, oh no, it's too cold. I need to be under this blanket and work. And then by 5 PM, I just feel like a slug. But if I just choose to like, nope, this is a day where I'm gonna wear my bigger coat and my hat, then it's all fine. We're, We're totally capable of being outside. I have zero excuses where I am. So just embracing that idea for a lot of us, I think goes a long way because this is the time of year a lot of us get the winter blues and a walk outside does a lot. Yeah. And, and the, the kind of irony, th- the ironic thing is like walking obviously is just a, you know, activity of pure physicality. I mean, you're just putting one foot in kind of the other and walking, you know, with the destination in mind. But I started a, a I'm a reading the Bible in the year kind of Bible study program and Early on, and one of kind of the first, they talked about the they the the person who authored this study was unpacking the verse where it said Adam, you know, would walk with God. But they were talking also about Enoch would walk with God, and now we mm-hmm. sort of like we use that as sort of like this, uh, you know, how's your walk with the Lord? Or you know, we've kind of made <laughs> it into this like platitude that I don't know. I don't think there's things anything wrong with it, but the actual walking. I found can be like a weirdly spiritual exercise because mm-hmm. I, I think there's something spiritual about slowing down. And, you know, unless you're just like a crazy power walker, walking's pretty slow, you know, it and, and it gives you and you kind of feel things, you know, you feel the yeah. breeze, you hear a lawnmower or a dog barking. And and I, I found it to be even if I'm not like actively like praying or something, I, I find that there is a, this spirituality to kind of just walking through the world. And you can kind of see why it's this theme sort of biblical. And that that sounds like over spiritualizing, but even when we're watching, we're talking about soul earlier, you know, a lot of the profound moments in that movie happen when the characters just happens to be taking a walk from point A to point B. 100%. Yeah, we actually just did an episode of A Drink uh, with a Friend about slowness. And I opened talking about a walk. I take this neighborhood walk every day. And we live in a really walkable neighborhood, like kind of on a town square historic district. And so there's a lot of people walking. And honestly, I just think all the time, if I were driving by, I would have missed you know, that guy has a funny shirt on or yeah. I like, you know, there's a cute dog. There's, oh, there's birds in the, in the tree and it's January. That's interesting. These things I wouldn't have noticed, but I think those are yeah. important. You know, I, I really do. 
Yeah. And, and that that's the other thing too. Like my, my grandfather passed away when I was, you know, a late teenager, but I, I, I regret not spending more time with him because I, the more I kind of, you know, spend any time with people who are of that generation, I'm like, man, a lot of old people, kind of older people have it like really figured out. Like they, 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 a lot of, a lot of people who've been retired for a while have figured out a pace of life that is actually really rewarding. I, when I was a kid, I thought, man, this is boring. I got to walk around the neighborhood when, you know, I'd rather make sketchy ramps on my bike or something, but it's like, oh man, there is real, there's a real profound, um, sense of presence when Mm -hmm. you just allow yourself to be in the world and not really worry about anything. You're, you're just where you are and you're kind of moving at kind of a slow place. It is, it is kind of a weird spiritual experience. All right. Tish, what do you, what do you have after, after your walk? Okay. So my number four, um, is always carry a book with you. So this is a thing for me. It's a little bit like the read and write for social media, but um, this is just throughout the day. Like if I'm driving somewhere, if I'm, you know, running an errand, I have to have a book with me. Now I really have no excuse really because um, I've gotten into audiobooks the past few years and I've got my phone with me. So it's right there, but always having a book with me negates any sort of excuse to just mindlessly scroll Twitter or Instagram whenever I'm like in the grocery store line or, you know, waiting at the carpool pickup. I have a book available to me. I personally like to always be listening to an audiobook and reading. I mean, my preference is to read like with my eyes, but um, audiobooks make kind of that bridge between, um, you know, what's what is preferred and what's realistic. And so always having a book with me means I get more reading in. So sometimes people ask me, you know, how, how I can read as much as I do. And I'm not trying to, I mean, I'm a very average reader. I'm not super fast. Um, I don't read as much as I want, but really and truly just having a book with me is, is the answer. I keep one in my purse and then I have my phone with me. And so I can either read, um, a paper book or my Kindle or an audiobook at all times. And I just find, you know, reading a page out of a book when I'm waiting in the grocery store line is just more rewarding, more fulfilling than scrolling through Twitter for 10 minutes when I didn't really come away with anything of value. And I, I, I know I sound like I'm throwing social media under the bus and I don't mean to, because mm-hmm. there's some, there's some good that can come with it, but I just find that we as a culture are losing our ability to concentrate and losing yeah. our ability to um, read long form or, you know, just stick with something long form. And um, this is kind of my way of purposely fighting against my um, addictive tendencies, just because we all have them. Um, and the addictive tendency of social media is just by saying, you're not the boss of me. I have something else I can do with my time while I'm just waiting. Yeah. I, I, I had a college professor once tell me <clears throat> that, you know, the best piece of advice he could give was always, and unfortunately I haven't heeded that advice as well as I should, but it, the, the piece of advice was always be able to, to respectably answer the question, what are you reading right now? Like always mm. ne- never not be able to, uh, again, I have, there's been times where I've heeded it and times where I'm like, man, I'm just I, you know, I kind of dropped the ball, but that's so, but having a book with you is such a great way to that because I'm the same way. Like I'll, I'll look at my phone, not just waiting in line at the grocery store, but like at the stoplight or, and, and, and I've, it's weird because I'll designate time if I want to read a book or, you know, I I love like long form journalism, like big deep, you know, Mm -hmm. five to 10,000 word, big kind of deep dives, but I'll like designate time. 
for that. I'll be like, uh, you know, waiting in line time or, or kind of, you know, this 20 minutes over lunch. That's my, I, I'm just going to goof around on Twitter. You know, like that's not reading time, but I like, I like that kind of shift. Like even if you only get a couple pages in, it's still a different type of reading. It really is. Yeah. No, I'm the exact same way. There's just something to be said about, um, I, you know, and it's not so reactionary, you know, most everything on, on social media is reactionary either to current events or to that person's own life and a book by nature of what it is. It took the author a long time to write it and get it published. And so, you know, especially if we're talking fiction, it's not really, um, a comment about something that, you know, yeah. I don't know. We just have this weird thing in our culture these days where it seems like everyone thinks they need to say something or have an opinion about everything. And yeah. I mean, I think the theme of this, this chat is slow. Um, this slows us down, you know, um, for me, just not having, just knowing how to process the news sometimes requires stepping away from it and just getting lost in some fiction or even some nonfiction, yeah. but, but engaging with some slower thinkers before I even know what I think about anything. And it prevents me from, from feeling that rushed feeling that social media gives me. And it kind of like takes the transactional element out of consumption where if I'm like on Twitter or if I'm listening to a news podcast, it's like, I understand the transaction. I'm going to give them time and I'm going to get information. Like this is, it's very simple. I'll be more well-informed, but it's like a lot of times when you're just reading for the joy of reading, it's, it's because it's not about transactions. Like I, I'm going to read that page again. Cause I like reading that page, not because right. I didn't feel like I fully absorbed it. It's about the experience. So for my, I guess I'm a number four now. Um, mm -hmm. My number four is something, again, I've kind of re recently rediscovered because my son is, I, he's seven years old and he has developed a fanatical obsession with football. Like he, I mean, he, he knows every team, particularly like NFL football. He just loves it, loves it, loves it. You know, wow. he, the first thing he does in the morning, he put us on his football pants that we got him, his <laughs> receivers gloves, and he just hangs out and well, he just loves it. And so he always wants to play catch. And this sounds probably like a really bro-y thing, but like <laughs> in college, like we would, if we didn't have anything to do, it was, we would just toss a Frisbee. Like, I know mm -hmm. that sounds like very stereotypical or, no. you know, but yeah. it was but we, when you're when you're 20, you, you don't think, OK, how, am I optimizing my time, my day? It's just like, hey, you want to go throw the Frisbee outside? Yeah, I don't have anything. For, I don't have my next class on an hour. And my, I was always playing catch with people, you know, and as I got older, sort of working, I never even thought about that not being a part of my life anymore. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm, it just mm -hmm. never occurred to me. But now that I have a son that always, always wants to play catch. You know, like I've kind of realized, man, that is a therapeutic. We it's a it's a weird thing to to truly kind of deconstruct and appreciate because there's this mix of physicality to it. You know, obviously you're using your hands and you're you're you know there's a lot happening, kind of you know, quote unquote, athletically, but it's also a shared experience with you and another person where they're. Every action they do is dictated by the action you did, you know, mm. like they move in a way because you moved in a way like you threw something that they have to go get. And it almost has be, like I, I've never I, when I'm playing catch, I never consciously think about these things. But after I always feel this like connection with my son because mm -hmm. we shared this sort of weird activity that we didn't do it for any reason other than just we wanted to. And now it's just become a part of my life again. And man, I really, really love it. Sometimes I'm like, man, I could go just do a couple passes right now and just feel good, you know? 
That is very cool. I really love that because, um, I mean, it doesn't sound bro at all to me. I mean, I'm not a sports ball kind of person, but I love just, I love outdoor activities and I love just kind of simple (laughs) things. And that is so simple. It doesn't take a lot of athletic skill, but it does get you, your body moving and it gets you outside. And that bonding thing is real and it's very strange. And that's kind of what I, I think about the sacramentality of, of most ordinary things. It's not, the thing isn't really the thing. You know, what yeah. you're doing yeah. is, yeah, exactly. is, yeah, spending time with your kid. And that's really cool. I love that idea. I might, yeah, I might it, it's that. Bi- yeah, I, please, please do. It's all, it's always <laughs> fun. I, I'll tell you this. He'll wear me out, dude. I do not have, <laughs> seven, you know, a seven-year-old has that kind of energy. Okay. So, so you've, you've had your water in the morning You or you started with, with reading and writing. You started with water. You take a walk. You always have a book on you as your day is kind of winding down. What are some of the other habits that, that you incorporate to, to kind of get those everyday moments? Okay. Well, yeah, I thought about this because there are a few things I do. Like I, I like having an evening routine, but the one that I think makes the most um, kind of just bang for my buck and I'm working on this. This is not, this is a habit in process for me. It is this idea of no big decisions after 8 PM. Mm. <laughs> and so um, I think I first got this from Austin Cleon, the writer. Um, I think that's where I heard it first, but it's this idea that especially when we work from home, I would argue, especially during a pandemic, when our lines are more blurred, you know, our work, our home, our family, our, our social, everything just doesn't have as much of a container as sometimes they need to, that that's okay. You know, and that's definitely survival mode sometimes, but I can adult my way all the way through bed, um, crashing into bed and then being exhausted when I wake up and then rinse and repeat until I'm desperate for a vacation. And I'm not saying I still don't need a vacation and that still isn't the reality, but by deciding that I'm not going to make any major decisions about my life, about um, just anything after 8 p.m. gives me this permission slip to spend like my last two to three hours just enjoying life. And this is a thing for me that I've had to give myself permission to do. So this means um, it takes more of a conscientious effort. You know, my husband works outside the home, but he has a ton of freedom and flexibility. So if I need some kind of answer about like, do you want what do you think about this with health insurance? I will call him in the middle of the day and we'll talk about it when he gets a chance instead of waiting to save all those like adulting conversations later. Now this is partly because my kids are older now. So I go to bed before my daughter does. Um, She's 16. And so I tell her good night at 10 PM and she goes to bed when she's done with her stuff. Um, But even when my kids were younger, I could see how those, those precious, you know, the best time of the night is when they're in bed. Um, Yeah. And you get to enjoy and watch whatever you want. I think that's still true. Even if the kids are up, I just want to be done. And so we have this saying in our family. I don't know if you know the comedian, James Acaster. Um, He's a British comedian. He's a real weird guy, a really weird goofball guy, but he talks about how sometimes he'll lay in bed and just because he just wants to be done with the day, he'll just say out loud, no more jobs. (laughs) That's his way of telling his brain. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm not making any more decisions and no more jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So in our house, sometimes we'll jokingly say no more jobs. And that means the kids cannot ask me, you know, can I have a play date on Thursday? Or, you know, they they can't come to me with things. Kyle, my husband can't 
I don't know, want to talk about something. It's, and it's not to keep things shallow. It's to keep things grounded. It's to remind me my day is more than a checklist. It's more than getting a lot done. I just need to be a person. It's okay to just watch something for fun to, this is when I read my fiction usually. Yeah. And this is when I just take a long shower. I've got waterproof earbuds on purpose so I can listen to a podcast. I just need these things to just feel like myself and not have to like always be thinking what's the best thing for our lives. So that's a big deal for me. That's helped. Yeah. That's really, I'm going to, I'm going to certainly incorporate that because (laughs) yeah, there is a point in the day where like, dude, I just got to shut it down. And you alluded to one that is actually the the last thing on my list. And it's kind of sounds like cheating because I've been vocationally podcasting for a really long time in different capacities, but I listen to so many podcasts and it's been such a rich experience for me. And I, you know, and I've tried to, I'm sure everyone sort of overanalyzes, you know, things that they're passionate about. But I think for me, even more so than like an audio book. For me, uh, a pot, because of sort of the conversational nature and um, it, it sound, it's obviously a lot of them are some some of the podcasts I love are scripted to a degree, but all of them are anchored in some degree of just hearing someone talk thoughtfully. Yeah. And I feel like we we live in a time where so many conversations are um, about a couple of things. Either you're talking about, you know, they're they're usually if you're having frequent conversations with people you you know, at least my from my experience is like, well, I know if I talk to that person, we're probably going to talk about sports. So if I talk to that person, we're probably going to be talking about politics. If I talk to this person, probably going to catch up about family stuff. And a lot of kind of the the um, the intellectual and emotional energy you're investing into conversations is is about the same things. And mm-hmm. what I love about daily listening to different podcasts, and I try to listen to different ones all the time is it, 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 you feel like you're accessing a different part of your brain, but also there's a real intimacy with podcasting that I feel like is really unlike any other type of media consumption because mm-hmm. you're putting a device into your head. Literally, if you're wearing earbuds, you know, you're putting someone's voice directly into your head and it, you can be in a crowd of people and only you are hearing that voice. And that's a really weird human thing to do, but it also <laughs> creates this sort of, even though it's a one sided relationship, I still think there's power in that kind of relationship where you're listening to someone's voice and kind of soaking it in. And it's just a really, for me, if I'm like super stressed, like a drive in a podcast is a recipe to like, okay, when I pull back in the driveway, I'm going to, I'm going to have that like, like going for the walk, that sort of reboot. Do you have anything else on your list, Tish, that you kind of incorporate daily that just kind of enriches the day-to-day life, like a podcast? I mean, you say that and I realize, oh, you're so right. I, I don't think I go a day without listening to a podcast, even if it's something like up first, you know, for 12 yeah. minutes in my morning. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually heard when I first started podcasting, I took a class from, I mean, an online class from um, Michael Bloomberg, and he talked about how there's evidence, like scientific evidence that um, audio is is the sense that engages our emotions the mm. most. Like we... Um, it's the most emotion driven um, sense that we have somehow. Yeah. And so he made, he made his cases by just like listening to certain things. And anyway, um, I, I think about that from time to time, because I think he's right, how we can listen to something and feel a very vulnerable sense of connectivity with somebody, even if we don't know them, even if it's about yeah. the news, it just feels really human. And I think we crave that a lot, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing I love about podcasts too, is that you can, 
you can multitask and it's not really even multitasking because you're just doing the one thing. Like you're washing dishes or going on a walk or driving to the store, but you're listening to it um, as opposed to like watching a YouTube video or reading a blog post. Um, And so to me, there's something that, that feels sacramental about listening to a podcast because it forces you to, um, or it doesn't force you, but you're allowed to do something at the same time and it makes it part of your life. Um, So yeah, I, I absolutely adore this medium. I think the only other thing I would add that I do on a day-to-day is just have an evening examine, which is another um, Ignatian spiritual exercise. And that's, you know, from the same guy I talked about at the beginning, St. Ignatius. Um, And all it means is, to me, is backwards prayer is what I've heard Hmm. it called. It's just looking back on your day and noticing where God was. So the three... The three questions I ask, and this is, I mean, it sounds more formal. It's literally as I'm like lying in bed, <laughs> yeah. to fall asleep, is um, what part of the day was most life-giving to me? What part of the day was most draining to me? And where in my day did I sense God? So just mm. noticing those three things for me acknowledges, like, even if the day was totally crappy, <laughs> there is one little tiny sliver where, okay, God was there, even in the midst of the awfulness yeah. or, um, or honestly more likely the boringness you know (laughs) that here we are again kind of sense of the pandemic um that there is something to be grateful for so that's probably a a nice way i like to cap off the day and um i want to get better at it so yeah well i I have that's a a fantastic list and i'm super super inspired to incorporate some of those into my day i do have one more question before before we go where do you stand on uh, like intentional, like meditative practices. I've never been someone who has ever really meditated, not out of any sort of opposition to it. It's just very counter to my personality. Someone who's mm-hmm. always kind of moving and just being still and quiet it is, it doesn't like give me anxiety, but it's certainly not something I would like seek out. But I keep hearing over and over sort of the, a variety of benefits from physical to, to, to mm-hmm. mental and emotional but uh, and and again, I have zero any sort of like you know ideological opposition to it. It's just like God, I don't really know what that even looks like. What are your thoughts about kind of meditative practices? Yeah, I'm I'm not super great at it either, and I want to get better at it. But I do anytime I do it, I reap the rewards. Like I, I completely get why. So I have a friend that is really truly works with a skilled you know person um, on the concept of mindfulness, which sounds very woo woo, but it's this idea of being fully present wherever you are. And she talks about the benefits of, of mindfulness meditation, um, kind of being an antidote to our fast paced future oriented selves. Like we tend to just always like what's next, what's next. And it forces us to stop. I will say the one way that it's been the most beneficial for me is when I keep it short, like 10 minutes Mm. at the most. (laughs) And I prefer the kind that are slightly guided, but aren't cheesy. And that's hard to find. Meaning I don't trust myself to just like, okay, don't think for 10 minutes. That doesn't work for me. (laughs) Um, So I also teach high school. And one of the things I have noticed is every couple of weeks, I'll do a 10 minute mindfulness meditation for the kids, um, for the teens. I just hit play and they have to lay on the, you know, lay however is most comfortable to them. Yeah. Um, and close their eyes. And sometimes they fall asleep, not all the time, but, and then this mindfulness practice walks them from, I think, I can't remember if it starts at the toes or the head. I think it starts at the toes and just has you notice your body on the way up and then it just relaxes you. And so that's the kind that I like, the kind that just um, helps you notice your body and kind of your presence more than 
escapism. Yeah. So that, that, that whole idea of being able to sort of fully physic, like almost, um, it, it, I, because I haven't really directly experienced it, but I've heard people kind of reflect on it from like the bottom of your head to the, to, or the top of your head to the bottom of your toe, like this sort of idea where it's almost like reclaiming your agency over your kind of physical and mental state is what I feel like is so appealing about people who seem to have mastered or at least uh, have developed different um, meditative practices because Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's a way to keep anxiety in check. There's a, um, there's an artist named Tyler Childers. He's like an Americana kind of folk artist. And he has a song called universal sound, which is really different than a lot of his stuff. But um, you know, and it's about his experience with, uh, I believe he practices like transcendental meditation, which is very, you know, it has its, it has like Eastern origins, but there's also sort of like a Western non-spiritual mm-hmm. uh, kind mm-hmm. of version of it, where it's just more mantra based instead of guided. It's sort of just kind of thinking just to kind of give yourself a singularity in your, in your, in your thought. But he has this line where it says, I focus on my breathing and the universal sound. I let it take over uh, from the toenails to the crown. And it's just like, oh, that seems to be pretty close to what you're describing for with that walking through with these kids. When you, when you, when you walk your students through one of these guided meditations, how do you see kind of the before and after when it comes to not just their behavior, but how their whole disposition seems? <laughs> yeah. So the class in which I do it is um, at 2 p.m., which is classically the worst time, right? To have to, as a teacher, because um, kids have had lunch and everyone's, it's just tired, but the day's not quite over yet. And so people come to me usually drained and a little bit stressed, especially at the end of the week. They're stressed because um, just all the pressures that they're feeling. And afterwards, like 10 minutes, I feel like gives them this permission to just be people and not be performers, Hmm. you know, that they don't need to just, their worth is not defined by their output. And so they just seem more chill, like more sometimes, you know, they sit back up and sometimes they just start laughing or just sort of, I mean, they just seem to, it looks like kind of like a pin was popped so that they're just sort of Mm. deflating in a good way. Um, And they just seem way less stressed. So, I mean, I think we all feel that way, especially now um, with the pandemic, with the news, with everything that, um, you know, 10 minutes a day, we could probably afford some of that, I think. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, Tish, this was so fun. And there were, yeah. you had such a great list and I'm very, very inspired. I definitely encourage people to check out, I guess is the best place for people to check out the pod, the books, the newsletter, everything. Uh, com. Is that the, yep. the best single location? Yep. That's the hub for everything. Just go there and you'll find links to everything. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to do it. And Tish, thanks again so much. This was really, really fun. Thank you for having me. It was great fun. 